Part 1. The Rise of the Rebels Chapter 1. Libya Late February 2011, Washington, D.C. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. Isaiah 6-8, New International Version I pulled my coat up tighter around my neck to ward off the frigid east coast wind as it whistled through the parking garage and stole away any vestige of warmth I had left. Shouldering my day pack, I hit the button on my key fob and listened for the chirp-chirp telling me my car was locked. I could hear car tires turning on pavement, engines running, and the occasional horn on the streets below from someone running late to work. In the distance, an ambulance announced its need to get somewhere. My phone vibrated against my belt as I stepped into the elevator to go up to my office. My secretary, Barbara, said I had a call waiting from a staff member from the office of Congresswoman Sue Myrick, Republican, North Carolina. I knew her well. She was a woman whom the terrorists wanted dead, and my company, SCGLLC, had provided her with armed security since the shooting of Congresswoman Gabrielle Giffords in Arizona on January 8, 2011. Congresswoman Myrick was permanently at risk, but that didn't stop her. A fit, slight woman of 70 with short, dark hair and a quick smile, Myrick, who took office in 1995, founded the Congressional Anti-Terrorism Caucus and chaired the House Subcommittee on Terrorism, Humint, Human Intelligence, Analysis, and Counterintelligence. Closely tied to the intelligence community, she was a tough-minded American patriot and deputy minority whip in the House. Her driving concern was the rise of radical militant Islam, and she faced death threats nearly every day from Africa, the Middle East, and around the world. It was so bad that she had to change her congressional email address regularly. I took the call on the way up. Sue was wondering, said her aide who handled military affairs, if your team might have any insight into the Libyan crisis and the rebels in particular. We know you've probably got resources beyond normal government channels, and she trusts you guys and wants your input. SCG LLC was a small, quiet outfit that provided a full suite of services, from intelligence and security support to special operations and tactical training, all for an elite, select client list of governments, corporations, agencies, and families around the globe. We were not a security company, but we provided that service, and we have had our people in Kabul, Islamabad, Cairo, and even on the U.S. Gulf Coast helping establish order for the state of Mississippi following Hurricane Katrina's wrath. We were not a training company, but we taught soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, FBI agents, SWAT personnel, CIA staff, and allied foreign troops for more than 10 years in everything from Pashtun language and combat medicine to lockpicking and driving armored trucks. We were not a private military or intelligence company, but we put boots on the ground in every major conflict zone since 9-11, provided intelligence on terrorists and coups, and even provided a highly focused opposition research service to select political clientele. In a way, we were a hybrid of the Defense Department and CIA, but on a far, far smaller and leaner scale. 
We had several departments, operations, training, intel, logistics, and admin, and each one worked to support the others. We had all the essential bells and whistles, from satellite phones to encrypted voice calls, email, and text messaging. We could track our people or our sensitive equipment anywhere on Earth and see their position on one of the big screens in our operations center. Once, my folks tracked me as I walked down into the vast red mountainous canyons near Petra in southern Jordan to meet an asset, not an easy feat with the signal being blocked by the towering cliffs lining that path. We had video teleconferencing and could pull up our teams nearly anywhere on Earth except the North or South Poles for a face-to-face meeting. We used armored vehicles when necessary. Many looked like taxicabs or beaters, a tactic we developed for Iraq and Afghanistan way before others were doing it. We also had B-7, near-presidential-level protected suburbans complete with run-flat tires, SATCOM units, full medical trauma kits, automatic fire extinguishers under the hood, and door handles that shocked bad guys if they tried opening them.